Hey guys, and welcome to Blue Brothers 2. This time, it's personal. I am your host, Brandon, and with me as always is Caleb. Caleb, how are you going? I'm doing pretty good. I, I do have one question for you, though. Hmm. Um, uh, if you've ever experienced this, because I experienced something weird the other day. I was on Facebook, and I was wondering if you, you've ever been on Facebook, and you've noticed that someone you know that lives out of town comes to your town, but then doesn't even say, yo, what's up, man? <laughs> and you see all these pictures that they took around town and you're just like, what the heck? Hmm. Has that Is ever happened si- to you? Um, can't say that it has because nobody comes to my town on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Yeah, I was going to give you crap because I'm sitting there on Facebook and I'm like, oh, look who's in town. <laughs> well, it was for family, a family day, though. I so. know. I was just kidding. You know, but, if it was just me, I probably would have hit you up. But yeah, I was messing because I was just like, I saw that and I was like, oh, I had no idea. It's not like it's that far of a drive. So it's not like he came out of state or something. You know what's funny is that um, that was on Saturday, and the next day I met with my friend Andy to watch the Lions game, and he's like, so, saw you were in town the other day. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, that's just funny. You guys both give me crap for that. Well played, Andy. Uh, well played. <laughs> so, uh, what have you been watching? Uh, well, watch the movie for tonight. Um, man, have I really watched anything else? Uh, we started watching The Office again. And, man, I thought there was maybe something in there that I, something else I watched, but I really don't think so. Like, outside of sports and The Office and what we watched for this week, I don't think there was anything else I really picked up to watch recently. So, it's been a little bit busy for me. But what about you? I know usually you've got at least one thing, something. Yeah, I got quite a few things, um, you know, because I'm still continuing with my horror movie marathon. Uh, I like to get a whole bunch of movies do- done, um, you know, leading up to October so I can get a bunch of reviews done and post them on my blog. Uh, but I'm getting to the point now where I'm starting to run out of them. So, you know, I'm kind of getting... Almost daily now watching movies. Uh, let me think. You know, other than watching The Office and, you know, sports, just the same as you. Um, I watched the original Nightmare on Elm Street a few days ago. Um, I also watched parts, part four. And then tonight I watched part three. Um, I also watched the slasher movie Slaughter High and I watched Sorority Babes and the Slime Ball Bolorama. <laughs> nice. Which which is an actual movie. <laughs> um yeah, just you know, try to knock out some movies for some reviews. So you know, just checking out some things I've seen, some things I haven't seen. It's it's just been kind of a an interesting mix of movies this year. Nice. 
Well, I might have something next week to share because, <gasps> and it might actually be a movie that I'll see in theater. <laughs> Running out of air. Uh, no. Um, yeah. Uh, so we talked about seeing it last week, but uh, my wife is actually interested. I'm interested. Um, surprisingly enough in seeing the Joker movie. So we yeah. might see that tomorrow night because the kids are going over to the grandparents. So I was actually interested in that as well. Uh, we were originally going to go see it, uh, but plans changed. Uh, we ended up doing something else, but you know, I might just wait for it to come out on, you know, on demand or DVD or something to check it out. Cause it does seem pretty interesting and all the controversy that seems to be following it. Yeah, it'll, it'll be, um, I think um, it'll be fun to watch. I'm, I've been trying to avoid information to not have anything spoiled. But she has plans yeah. in the evening, like early evening, and so we're going to go late evening. But if she goes late, then I might still go see it with my brother. So, I don't know. We'll see. Rock. But, yeah. Well, I think with that, we could move on to the first segment, which is Did You Know? The classic, did you know, uh, our normal segment we always do weekly, which uh, it's basically just random facts that you can use for life, for trivia, and just to shock some people. Um, and this week, it is my turn. Shock and- me. <laughs> Thrill me. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this week, um, well, I just wanted to find something kind of interesting and one thing that one thing I've always been interested in is uh, animals and uh, it, you know this comes from North America's only marsupial the uh, opossum uh-huh. uh, <laughs> I'm sure everybody's heard the term of playing possum uh, did you know that when the possum plays possum they're actually literally passing out due to terror Oh, so they don't do it on purpose? No, not really. Okay, interesting. I did not yeah. realize that. So it's it's a defense mechanism that is not voluntarily uh, triggered, right? Huh. I I I don't think I, I've heard that about other animals, but I don't think I knew that about the possum. Yeah, I thought that was um, something they voluntarily did. You know, kind of like. Um, Oh, you know, like ground birds, like a grouse or something like that. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's also the the bird called the woodcock that'll pretend like it's hurt mm-hmm. and lead you like away from its nest. Um, I thought it was something like that because I was one time I was walking out in the woods as a kid with one of my friends, and like I thought I stepped on a woodcock, but the bird would, you know, it was just like kind of limping around with his wing dragging and I'm like, oh man, I heard this bird, but then I found out later, you know, what the bird was and what it was doing. Nice. So, you know, kind of a effective defense mechanism there. And then the bird went home and was just like, dude, this douche kid stepped on me. <laughs> I totally tricked this kid. <laughs> <laughs> you should see the stupid look on his face. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> 
Yeah, and uh, with that wrapped up, now we can move in to the main topic of the week. You know, and it seems like, uh, you know, with a, with a did you know about something playing dead and the fact that we're reviewing a horror movie, it seems like I could have played off from that to make a smoother transition. But, you know, we're not we're not that talented. <laughs> <laughs> so this week, the horror movie that we are reviewing is Halloween three season of the witch. Uh, it is directed by Tommy Lee Walls. It is uh, from 1982. Uh, the The plot is an apparent murder-suicide in a hospital emergency room leads to an investigation by an on-call doctor, which reveals a plot by an insane toy maker to kill as many people as possible during Halloween through an ancient Celtic ritual involving a, a stolen boulder from stonehenge and halloween mask <laughs> that is so extensive yes like, that you gave that away taken, so much in that plot that that is taken directly from imdb <laughs> i feel like that's a little too extensive like if you're if i was if i had read that before i watched the movie i would have been annoyed the fact that they said so much in the description <laughs> I felt like I had to keep it just because that plot was as bonkers as this movie is. Yeah. <laughs> and when I read that, I'm like, you know what? Almost everybody has seen this movie or at least heard about it. So, I mean, it was, it's from 1982. So Yeah, you're not you're not going to spoil for anybody. I mean, like if some if somebody's a horror movie fan, chances are they've seen this movie. Yeah. And actually, this movie turned 37. Uh earlier this week oh nice yeah well i um i will say and i think we may have mentioned it before but i have had not seen this movie Mm -hmm. before this so i will be bringing you brand new revelations (laughs) and it's it's kind of worked out well that we've watched movies that you haven't seen before and movie and they're like at the same time they're movies that i've seen a bunch of times (laughs) yeah so it kind of gives both sides of the spectrum. Um, I'll mention the cast here. It's not a very big cast for the movie. Uh, and I guess I never really thought about it because there's tons of like small uh, you know, e- extras and um, you know, just like bit roles in this movie. There's really only like three main characters. And we're looking at, uh, we got Tom Atkins as Dr. Daniel Chalice, Dan O'Herlihy as Connell Cochran, and Stacey Nelkin as Ellie Grimbridge. Um, and yeah, like I said, just, just a small cast. <laughs> just a, a ton of supporting actors. And, uh, you know, small actors that you know might be named, but the characters really mean nothing to the story. Yeah, there's really, I mean, 
the only person, other person that I feel like shows up throughout the whole movie that, um, but even the role is so tiny was the nurse or the mortician or who the coroner coroner. Yeah. I, I kind of, I couldn't really exactly figure out what her job was. So I just put her down as like the forensics girl. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, though the movie starts off, we see we get this guy. He's running away. Uh, we shortly find out he's running away from these guys um, that are dressed in suits, and he is holding a jack o' lantern mask. Uh, he runs off into a, a junkyard, and these guys come after him. Uh, he's fighting with one. He fends one off, uh, and he ends up running away. And um, Going to a gas station where the attendant helps him out. Um, and then we, we we meet our main character, which is uh, Dr. Chalice. Uh, he goes, what I assumed was home. But what, uh, what I took from it is that, did he go see his ex-wife and his kids? I think it was maybe her his ex-wife's house. Yeah, it's kind of confusing. Um, and I mean, things get a little confusing with his relationships as the show, uh, the movie goes on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I guess I never paid too close attention to it until I listened to the um, the "How Did This Get Made" episode, mm-hmm. and uh, then rewatched the movie. And yeah, it's kind of funny because so we're starting to like assume that's his ex-wife and his kids. Uh, he brings them some Halloween mask and. You know, they don't want them because they got the the latest and greatest, you know, kind of it costume for the year, which are these Halloween masks made by the company Silver Shamrock. Um, and, you know, kind of the big deal that year is that there is going to be a giveaway at nine o'clock on Halloween night where everybody's supposed to tune in and watch while wearing their mask and the giveaway will be announced. Um, and man, I, I kind of feel bad for Dr. Chalice because, you know, he runs into the house, happy to see his kids and like his ex-wife just instantly starts hounding on him for stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and then he gets a, like a page and then he calls into the office and he's got to go back into work. So it's like, he stops by for what, two minutes. Mm-hmm. And, and basically it's just like. Hey, remember you're taking the kids trick or treating, and he's like, "Yeah, I know, whatever." So he goes back to work, and that's where we see the man that was running away from the the suited guys. Um, he's basically in a state of shock. He goes to the point where he is is he like in a coma or something, or like is he sleeping? It's really hard to figure out. He wasn't. I don't think he was in a coma. He he did have reaction to what was going on around him. But yeah, state of shock. I think. Um, and yeah. then asleep. Yeah, and he's laying on a on a gurney, and the silver shamrock commercial comes on, and that wakes him up, and he says to Doctor Chalice, "Like they're going to kill us all." While he's still clutching clenching the mask, and um, then he you know he goes back out. The guy brings him in. He leaves. Uh, we get a l- little more at the hospital. Um, you see one of the suited guys 
come in, go into the guy's room, and uh, the man is murdered. And it's kind of an, in an interesting way. So the pseudo guy like gets his fingers and reaches down and like digs into the guy's eye sockets, grabs mm-hmm. like the bridge of his nose and like breaks his skull. <laughs> and yeah. I, the first time I saw this, I'm like, um, that would be really painful, but would it kill a person? Um, hmm. I mean, if if you like dug into his brain, then yeah. But from what I could tell, is that he just like grabbed the guy's skull and crushed part of it. Yeah, actually, that's a good point because I mean, like the skull. I mean, your sockets. I think there's bone in between, uh, a bit of bone between the top of your eyes and your brain area. So yeah, to get your fingers through there and do any brain damage, I don't. I don't know. That's a good point. But my my thought when that was happening was the fact that the guy was like not struggling. <laughs> I noticed that too. He just kicked his feet a little bit. Um, I don't know if he was just super exhausted and you know, like I said, in a state of shock where he's almost or he's close to like comatose. Or uh, well, what was going on? I just yeah, like you said, he didn't hardly put up a fight at all. <laughs> I think that it was uh, kind of a movie theme, not like that they did it deliberately, but there were other times that I noticed that people were getting attacked or killed and they just sat there and took it. (laughs) Uh, Maybe he was just ready to go, I guess. Um, So the man who kills him, he is... You know, these are slowly like stepping away, and a nurse comes in and yells at him, which leads him to walk out. Uh, Dr. Chalice comes running in, asking what's happened. Uh, the nurse explains, and he goes running after the guy. Uh, the killer walks out to the parking lot, gets in his car, gets a uh, jug of gasoline, pours it on himself, and lights himself on fire. And our uh, car. Yeah, of course the car explodes. I mean, it's the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, they bring in the cops. Uh, they bring, they come in. Um, they talk to the doctor and the nurse and everything. And uh, it's obvious that Dr. Chalice is kind of shaken by the whole thing. Uh, he, and he mentions uh, on the phone, he calls his ex-wife. And she instantly just starts hounding him about taking the kids out for Halloween again. And he's he's basically telling her, hey, shut up. You Which know, is like week um, out, right? Yeah, it's like she's reminding him again, and he's like, "Yeah, I know." It's like I'm not going to be coming back tonight because you know two people died in the hospital, and it wasn't you know meant to happen. It was like it was a murder suicide, and she's just like, "What are you going to take the? You're going to take the kids trick or treating, aren't you?" <laughs> yeah, and they then they they explain it throughout the whole movie, like you know, what day it is, day of the week and what the date is and how far away Halloween is. And it's in the commercial too. That's yeah, it's their eight days is. out. Yeah. <laughs> like, chill. Uh, yeah. So he, you know, he leaves the hospital. He's, he's done for the night. He goes to a local bar and, you know, just has a couple of drinks to kind of come down from, you know, what just happened at the hospital. Um, and that's the moment where the daughter of the man who was killed walks into the bar 
and they start talking and she's trying to figure out what happened to her dad and everything and she's got her ideas he's got his ideas so they decide basically together that they're going to team up and investigate what happened um she's got like a his planner the dad's planner uh what he's going to do and they find out that he went to the town of santa mira to pick up more of the silver shamrock mask for his store um Mm -hmm. And it was between that time and when he was supposed to come back and meet somebody for dinner, I believe, that was when he died. So they know it was between those two things. So they head out to Santa Mira to investigate. Um, And this whole thing is kind of funny because those two just met each other and she has no problem just getting in the car with a guy and... Heading out to some place she's never been before. Well, he's a doctor. I mean, back in the <laughs> 80s, you always trusted doctors. <laughs> this is true. Um, and actually, they, they pretend that they're a married couple to kind of throw people off. Um, and they, they stay at a hotel um, together. And there's like, they meet a, a few different people. Um, there's this annoying family. <laughs> That's all I wrote down is like the annoying family. I believe their names are like, uh, oh man, oh man, I can't remember the the Gutmans. Yeah, the Gutmans. So so they meet the Gutman family, which is uh, consists of Buddy. He's a, a traveling salesman, um, and then you got the wife. I can't remember her name. And then they had little Buddy, who was just like he's a complete brat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he gets on his bike and he takes off. And the mom's just like, stay out of the road. And then, like, the kid turns around and flips his mom off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I can tell you, if I turned around and flipped my mom off when I was, like, 10, like that kid, I probably would have lost that arm. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was kind of thinking that, too. I was just like, geez, what the... What's going on? <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, along with... Uh, the Gutmans, we also be a, a woman named Marge. She's there to, she's actually going to go to Silver Shamrock as well and complain about a, a missed order that she had. Uh, and she's also irritated with the quality of the mask because, like, the little round medallion that has the logo on it fell off on one she had. Um, and her and Ellie kind of have like a an awkward conversation i guess um it's you know it's kind of brief but you know the two kind of learn a little bit about each other in a time and then ellie goes back in the room uh and dr chalice he goes off somewhere to he, get, he goes and gets like a drink or something he gets like a, a bottle of liquor and on his way back uh, a homeless man like stops him and he's like, hey, man, he's like, that bottle looks pretty heavy. He's like, you know, I don't I, I don't have any diseases. You mind if I you mind if I take a drink? And he just lets this random homeless guy take a drink out of his bottle. I know. Right. Thank you. I was going to say that part was really screwed up. Uh, so, yeah, the homeless guy's telling him, you know, like there's more than meets the eye with this town. And he's like, you know, this used to be a great town until you know, Cochran came in 
and all of his hires for the um, Silver Shamrock were outside hires. So, mm-hmm. and he's pretty much run all the other businesses out. And he, you know, he gives like he's got cameras everywhere. He can see what's going on. He's probably listening to us right now. And uh, you know, Chalice wants to know more. The guy won't say any more, so he he walks off. Uh, and, and then they show Ellie. She's back at the hotel. She, this is another weird thing that happens in this. So she's taking a shower, and she gets out of the shower and grabs a towel, and then immediately wraps in a blanket. Yeah. That, well, that that whole <laughs> moment was completely odd to me because it was pointless because it was like that split second it's just like go back to the motel they show that she's in the shower she gets out of the shower like you said put blanket or uh the towel then the blanket and then she sits on the bed and then that's it and then they go either back to him or to the lady in the room next to them and like that was it it's just like what that added nothing it's kind of one of those moments like you would see in a Friday the 13th movie where there's just some random girl taking a shower. But in the Friday the 13th movie, they, like, they would show her naked and everything. And it's like, okay, well, they got to get their boob quota in, you know. But with this movie, it's just like you don't see anything. I mean, you see kind of like some, you know, Peter Griffin side boob. <laughs> but like she just puts the towel on and rolls up into a blanket. Like it was really pointless to show that. Yeah. Well, uh, I thought something was gonna like maybe happen, like somebody was in the room, or maybe they had cameras in the room, or maybe they were going for like you were saying the cliche horror um content. But yeah, it was nothing like she was in the shower, got out of the shower, sat down, that was it. <laughs> yeah. There was really nothing more to it. Uh and right after that, uh, Dr. Chalice, he comes back and um, he is talking to Ellie about what he learned from the homeless guy. And uh, all of a sudden, she like walks up to the bathroom and drops the, the blanket and she's in lingerie. And uh, then basically, like, she seduces him. <laughs> well, I think uh, part of the- I've, I kind of felt like part of the reason he went on, uh, went to help her was because he was attracted to her in the first place. Yeah. And there's a part two when they first get to the hotel and they sit down and he's like, um, oh, yeah. he's like, I'm sorry. We're like in this circumstance, but, um, if it makes you more comfortable, I can, uh, I can get a different room. And she's like, no, that might seem suspicious because we're supposed to be married. And he's like, yeah, that's a good point. He's like, well, I could, he's like, I'd be fine sleeping in a car. That's okay. He's like, it'd probably be more comfortable than sleeping on the floor in here. And she's like, no, you don't have to do that. And he's like, okay. He's like, then where am I going to sleep? And she's like, well, where do you want to sleep? It looks at him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, that is so awkward. And uh, I guess that's, you know, kind of with like the spark ignites. And then, you know, he comes back and she's in lingerie and like seduces him. Um, and that was when I started to wonder too. Was like, okay, that must have been his ex-wife that he saw at the beginning of the movie when he brought the mask of the kids. Um, yeah, I can't he... remember when I figured that out. Um, 
I think it was before they left to go to um to that town. I can't remember yeah. what it was, but Yeah, and it's like it's awkward too because you know, he's got the ex wife, now he's got Ellie coming on to him, and he was also flirting with the the forensics lady or mm-hmm. the, the coroner or whatever as well. And she actually kisses him on the lips before he leaves, and it's like obviously that they have some kind of um relationship as well and it's not like you know they might be super close friends or something but it's it's never really explained yeah yeah no i mean i i think they were kind of trying to go for like he's a player kind of thing maybe but yeah like a ladies man or something yeah um which is funny because it's like all the women in this movie kind of just throw themselves at him (laughs) except for his ex-wife which just yells at him all the time basically yeah (laughs) But yeah, so it's at this moment too where they show next door, they show Marge and she's laying in bed watching TV and she notices there's like a chip or something on the back of the medallion that fell off the mask that she brought. And she starts picking at it with a bobby pin and all of a sudden a laser shoots out of the pin and blasts her in the mouth. (laughs) And it's like a really gross special effect we get. So like it's like her mouth is like peeled open and her teeth are just like ripped apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, and her eyes are like all bloodshot, and um, like some kind of bug come like crawls out of her mouth. Yeah, I don't know what kind of bug that was. Yeah, it was it was weird. It was like a mixture of like a cricket and a spider. And I don't yeah. know, it's really hard to explain. Like you just have to see. You just have to see it to try to figure out what it is. Uh, so the next morning, you know, obviously there's like an ambulance and everything. Um. Oh, and before that, too, there's a part that made me laugh. So um, Ellie and Dr. Chalice are laying in bed, and then, you know, it's obvious that, you know, they just, like, slept together. And she starts coming on to him again, and he's like, uh, he's like, are you ever going to, he's like, are you ever going to get tired or something like that? He says, "Aren't aren't you worn out yet? And... She says, never. And he's like, wait a minute. He's like, how old are you? <laughs> <laughs> Which makes me laugh every single time because it's like, it's obvious that they, they just slept together. And then he asks how old she is. And she like smiles and she says, um, um, I'm older than I look. And then he's just like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it's I don't know why you really ask her that because she's not like super young. It's obvious that she's probably like twenty. Yeah, so, <laughs> at least twenty, probably. So yeah, that's what I would think. Uh, yeah. So anyway, back to the the part. You know, the, the ambulance shows up and uh, Connell Cochran's actually there, and he's you know he explains, and he's that. the owner of the mask company. Yeah, he owns Silver Shamrock, and he like explains, you know, she's gonna be taken care of, um, you know, best hospitals, all that kind of stuff. So she's rushed off, and they they go to take their tour of Silver Shamrock. Um, you know, Cochran's explaining kind of like the history of all this stuff and everything, and you know, he says how uh, Buddy Gutman is his top salesman, and he wants to take him on this tour. <laughs> as like you know kind of a a thank you for selling so many masks and gutman invites dr chalice and ellie to go with them 
you know, they show everything, and there's, like, all these crazy, like, lifelike toys and, like, gags and stuff that, that Cochran has made at Silver Shamrock. Uh, and it's towards the end of the tour where, you know, they go outside, and Ellie looks over it, and she sees her dad's car in a barn. Well, she rushes over to, like, investigate that, and, like, the guards step in front of her, and they stop her from entering. Uh, you know, that's the, the time where, the, you know, they notice something's going on. It's like, okay, you know, something serious is happening here. We we probably should get out of here since the whole town is under surveillance. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't remember exactly how the two kind of get separated, but the guards, like, some of the henchmen from Silver Shamrock capture Ellie and then they come after Dr. Chalice, and he's fighting with them, and he ends up, like, punching one, knocking down one and punching them in the stomach. And that's when we find out that uh, the, you know, the henchmen are robots. They're Terminators! <laughs> you know, he punches through one of their stomachs, and, like, a bunch of yellow ooze comes up, and he's, he's hanging on to wires and everything, and Oh, God, it's funny. Yeah, I actually thought um, throughout the movie up until this point that they acted very kind of... uh, I actually put in my notes was comparing them to kind of like the Agent Smith character in The Matrix. Yeah, very, like, um, stoic, Mm -hmm. I guess. Um, No no emotion, very deliberate. Yeah, so when I... Everything. When the, I found out that it was a robot, I was just like, oh, so I was kind of right, you know. <laughs> the first time I saw this, like, and they found out they're robots, and I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, did this movie really need another thing like that? Yeah. Um, Th- well, this is, and I'll say this. So this is pretty far in the movie. I mean, what would you say, like an hour into the movie, maybe longer, probably? Yeah, something like that. Because yeah, we're some- getting right towards, like, the climax and all that. Yeah, so it's an hour and 40 minutes long. And so you're well over halfway through. And up until this point, I was just like, you know, it's a pretty decent movie. You know, I mean, it's moving along. It's got some interesting stuff. And then the robots showed up, and I was like, okay, a little bit different. <laughs> um, let's let's see where it takes it. And, I mean, as you've heard from the description at the beginning, they start incorporating a lot of different weird things. And I was just like... I just felt like it was a little bit too much. Like yeah, they had a good that's... thing going and then they took it a little bit too far. <laughs> yep. And, um, you know, this is the part where Dr. Chalice, he gets captured as well. He gets brought back to Silver Shamrock. And it's at this time where Connell Cochran, you know, shows like his true colors. Uh, he's explaining that not many people realize what Halloween is all about. And, you know, it originated back hundreds of years ago, and um, it's like a, you know, it's full of witchcraft, and, you know, it's a pagan holiday where animals and children were sacrificed to the gods, Mm -hmm. you know, in order for, like, a good harvest and all that kind of stuff, and... um, that's when he starts talking about his plan that he has to return 
Halloween to its, you know, bloody origins. It, <laughs> that's when we find out his setup he has with the mask. Oh, wait. Stonehenge, hold- what? Uh, oh, I think it's after this. Like, he has a specific line that kind of says that I want to say. That's I just thought was weird. But I think it's okay. after he explains it. Yeah, so he has like he talks about the tie-in with the mask, the Stonehenge rock, and the commercial. And he's like, why tell you, pretty much, you know, saying, like, why tell you when I can show you? And, you know, Chalice is, like, really confused at this, at this point. And they show the Gutman family getting put into a a room that's, you know, set up like a typical living room from the time. Uh, and a, com- a TV comes on and a commercial plays and like the dad's like, you know, I think he wants me to take notes on a commercial and let him know how it is, you know, since I'm so important because I sold all his masks. So he wants my input. And, you know, the son, he puts his mask on and he's standing there watching the, the commercial and it's like this flashing pumpkin that comes up and they play this the song that's uh, it's all basically what it is. It's London Bridge. Yeah. Uh, except for, you know, they changed the... It's the tune of London Bridge they changed to, you know, Happy Happy Halloween Silver Shamrock. Play it over, and like this flashing pumpkin starts going off. And it has a reaction with the little round medallion that's on the back of the mask. Uh, and slowly... You know the the mask starts like reacting to the screen, and suddenly, like little buddy with the mask on, he starts, you know, grabbing at his head, and the camera swings around, and like the mask looks like it's like rotting on his mm-hmm. face. Mm-hmm. Uh, he falls to the ground, and like his mouth like pries open, and like a whole bunch of crickets come out of his mouth, and uh followed by uh, snakes and other bugs. And there's like a few different kinds of snakes that come out of his mouth. And, you know, little buddy dies, which, Uh, yeah, obviously, (laughs) which is crazy because like that rarely happens in a horror movie. It's like where children are killed. Yeah. It's literally like the only Halloween movie in the whole series where children are killed, Hmm. you know, other than the, the 2018 where a little boy dies. But um, so this there's like a rattlesnake comes out and he bites uh, the snake bites, you know, buddy, little buddy's dad kills him and the mother gets killed as well. So, you know, the whole family dies while Chalice is watching them on TV um, and he gets, you know, t- he gets tied up to a cart and put into a room and they're going to do the same thing to him. Uh, is this when you were going to use the quote? Uh, yeah, well, he, so he shows him this and also like right before they watch that is when the reveal of the, um, he has the stolen Stonehenge stone Mm. thing. And so then this, so first the robots, then the Stonehenge thing. And I'm just like, okay, (laughs) chill out guys. You didn't really need to do the Stonehenge thing. You you know, things were going okay. Mm -hmm. Um, so not now it's just getting, uh, uh, a little bit too crazy, but then I think it was when he tied him up or something, but somewhere around this point, um, what, what was his name again? How do you say it? The bad guy. Oh, Connell Cochran. Connell Cro- Cochran. Yeah, there we go. Um, he, uh, he 
talks to the doctor and he's just like, do I need a reason? And, uh, and he said, um, I like jokes. And it's like, uh, he was explaining that it's like the ultimate joke or something. And I'm just like, what, how, what? Like, okay. Are you doing this for the witch thing? Or are you doing this for, I think that killing people is funny kind of a joke thing. Cause it doesn't, mm-hmm. it doesn't, you can't have either or it's either you're doing this for the witch thing or you're doing this for a joke thing. Yeah. And I don't know. Just the whole thing is funny. Like, so he thinks that's like the biggest joke or like the biggest prank you can pull. I'm just going to kill millions of children, you know, all across the country. <laughs> yeah. Well, to be honest, like I thought, cause we've talked a little bit about this movie before and I thought when you talked about the whole mass thing and like it killing people, then I thought the kids like became killers. Oh they killed yeah. Their parents. And I was just like, dude, this sounds like creepy and like super creepy, like children of corn and you know, whatnot. But yeah. then it wound up just like killing the kid, which in turn kills the parents. And I was just like, dang, that's, messed up <laughs> yeah that's why i didn't want to give any of that away for you because the first time i saw this like it blew my mind but then i laughed too because like why is there bugs and snakes coming out of the kid's head yeah <laughs> uh yeah so dr Charles, he's he's strapped down to like a like a dolly or something with a mask on and you know set in front of a tv and uh Cochran basically just leaves him there until, you know, the, the broadcast of the giveaway at nine o'clock. Um, so he walks off. He's under surveillance in this room. Uh, Chalice, you know, kicks the TV, breaks the TV. And he gets a piece of glass and he starts cutting the straps off. He takes his mask off and he has like a one in a million shot of throwing the mask onto the camera. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that covers the camera so they can't watch him. Um, he ends up getting free of the restraints. He breaks out. Uh, he runs off and he calls his ex-wife, who of course instantly starts yelling at him because he's not taking the kids trick or treating. You know, he's supposed to be there taking them trick or treating after he said he's a few times. And it's and actually how. So, it, so yeah, because so he does have a point. Yeah, so and he's just like, no, you got to listen to me, like. This is serious. Like, shut up for a minute and listen to me. Yeah. And uh, he actually does say shut up for a minute. <laughs> and he's he's like, you can't let them watch. He's like, take the mask away. You can't let them watch the, the giveaway. He's like, you got to take the mask away. And she asks, like, have you been drinking? He's like, I haven't drank anything. He's like, I'm serious. You got to take the mask away from him. Um, and she's just like thinking he's nuts. You know, yelling at him for not taking him trick or treating, and you know he hangs up, and he's trying to find Ellie. He finds her strapped down to a table in a room. Um, he rescues her. They get out of there. Uh, they go back to like the warehouse area where the Stonehenge is at, and they're sneaking around upstairs. They grab a box of the medallions that haven't been put on the mask yet. Uh, he goes downstairs, he switches on the commercial and like overrides the computer so they can't like turn it off. Uh, he gets the medallions and he dumps them down while the flashing pumpkin's going off and it shoots like a bunch of lasers out and 
lightning and everything, and it kills like all the people that are working for Cochrane. All the and robots. Just, yeah, all the robots. And Cochrane, he's just standing there, like kind of just smiling. You know, like uh, just I guess kind of impressed with his uh, resourcefulness. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, all I can do is just kind of laugh, kind of thing. And you know, the commercial's still going off, and there's a bunch of TVs in a circle that are all facing each other. Well, like this energy ring starts forming around the TVs from the screens, and that reacts with the Stonehenge rock, and Cochrane standing in between those, and like a bright white light, like envelops him, and he just has this big smile on his face, and he just like dissolves i guess gets fried it it, it kind of reminds me of uh raiders of the lost dark except for he doesn't melt he just gets fried yeah he just kind of like vanishes yeah uh, and you know when it, this whole thing goes off like everything starts exploding and the buildings like falling apart uh chalice and ellie they escape and um you're trying to like get the town so they can warn everybody of what's going on. Uh, and then all of a sudden, Ellie like reaches over and starts choking Chalice while he's driving. Uh, he drives into a tree. She's thrown from the car. He gets up, and that's when he realizes that she is also a robot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she starts coming after him. He grabs a tire iron and smacks her in the face and knocks her head off. Uh, but like her arm is still alive and it's choking him. And it's so ridiculous because like, okay, I can get, you know, the strong robot arm choking him. You know, it's kind of like the Terminator Mm -hmm. where, you know, it's around his neck and he's trying to pull it free, but there's a part where the hand like switches grips and he's still trying to pull it away. I'm like, how is it hanging onto him? (laughs) But the hand is like open on his chin with the fingers spread out. It's like not choking him at all. Like, how's it hanging on to him? Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, he gets free of Ellie. Uh, well, in that scene, a- the uh, something about that scene, though, is that it's really funny because they do it like, what, four or five times uh, with like trying to do a jump scare or something because yeah. they did it when she ch- started choking him. Then they crash. And then he goes around the car to try to find her. And then she jumps from behind him and then mm-hmm. he hits her with the tire iron and then he gets in the car and then the other one, then the arm that broke off starts choking him and then he gets rid of it. And then the robot on the ground grabs his leg like just over and over and over again. They're just like, watch out, watch out, watch out. <laughs> and it's like, dude, OK, it's like, it's I, really, I, I, <laughs> it yeah, never ending. yeah, I feel like um, they were trying to. You know, do like the Terminator, where it's the Terminator's chasing Sarah Connor at the end of the movie, mm-hmm. and like she, the Terminator is basically just like an upper body just crawling, but it's still coming for her. Um, yeah. I feel like it was kind of like that. Um, and actually, does this predate the Terminator? Oh, actually, you know what? That's a good question. I'm not sure. It, it does by two years. That's oh. interesting. But anyway, so maybe the Terminator ripped that part off. <laughs> maybe. Well done, <laughs> that, would be, 
that would be hilarious. Um, so basically, he gets free of the Ellie robot, and he goes to the gas station where Ellie's dad went to at the beginning of the movie. And he uses the phone, and he calls like a broadcast company, I think. Mm-hmm. And he's screaming that at them. He's like, turn the broadcast off. He's like, turn it off. So they get the one channel off. They switch to the next one. It's on there. And he's screaming to get that one taken off. The second one's taken off. Now they get to like the last, uh, you know, network channel and the commercial's still on. And he just keeps screaming. He's like, he's like, channel three is still on. You have to turn it off. He's like, turn it off, turn it off, turn it off. And then it just goes black. Yeah. The movie goes black. So, you know, it's one of the few movies that has, it doesn't have a happy ending. Mm-hmm. And, well, then it all—it doesn't technically tell you what happens. No, it leaves kind of on the cliffhanger, which the first time I saw this, like that, the ending kind of got to me. Like one of those things where it's like the hair stand up on the back of your neck because you realize like what's happening. Yeah. Um. And I guess like just. The idea of, you know, he did all he could, but that one channel was still on. So, you know, no telling how many people were affected by that. Yeah. Well, um, uh, a couple things to mention, um, uh, smaller details that didn't really need to be brought up earlier, but um, at one point in the movie, they show how the masks are like all. So this movie takes place in California. I can't remember if that was mentioned. Yeah. Um, but then they show like Ohio, Nebraska, uh, Chicago, I think, or so. They show like all these places across America that have these masks. Mm-hmm. And so. Um, I didn't think, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it was the 80s. I, I don't know exactly how it all, all would work, but it was just kind of like, if they're doing broadcasting this stuff, it's just like, I feel like he would have only affected his area by shutting down those channels. Yeah, unless, you know, unless he, like, he called the broadcast company or something. Or yeah, the national I, I broadcast company. But, but like, I mean, okay, and I get it. It, it. it is what it is. And, you know, they're trying to make it dramatic and everything. But <laughs> first of all, for any company to take anyone seriously who calls and has something like that to say. Yeah. But then secondly, um, if it's uh, the national, like, company, because I, I interpreted it that was the local thing. Um, but if he was doing like a national one, it'd be like, dude, it would take you at least like a half an hour to get connected to the right person to be able to make a decision <laughs> like that. Probably you'd have to talk to an automated service. If you'd like to talk to someone in accounting, please press one. <laughs> exactly. And it I know like that's thinking, Turn it off! <laughs> that's thinking way too in depth about it, but that did come to mind when I was, when that movie ended. So, <laughs> and talking about thinking way into depth. Um, I know I got some interesting things to bring up here with this movie. Uh, you know, just cause I've seen it so many times that I start thinking about different things. Uh, the more I read about it, the more interesting it becomes to me. Um, so, you know, let's get past the fact that, you know, Halloween three, like it has like no relation to the first two movies. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that was a lot of the issue that people had with it. It's that, you know, there's no Michael Myers. You know, the first two had Michael Myers and Laurie Strode in it. Uh, you know, Dr. Loomis running around trying to get Michael. And this one has, like, absolutely nothing to do with it. And people were really hung up onto that. But, you know, the one thing that I question about it? Mm-hmm. Why is it called Season of the Witch? There's no witches. Well, I thought when he was explaining it that he was kind of saying that he was a witch or he was like trying to bring back the Season of the Witch kind of concept. Yeah, it's that's kind of, I don't know, like implied at or not at, you know, inferred. Yeah. Um, it's but just, it, uh, so it's like, Co- is it called that because Cochran is into witchcraft? I, I, like, but if he was into witchcraft, he'd be a warlock. Yeah, well, yeah, that so much of that, I, and I, I'm totally on board with you because I was I was thinking about that, and then that's also when he was talking about making it like the, um, it's uh the ultimate joke or whatever, and it's just like, dude, are you like, again, focus on the witchcraft part of it, or are you focus on this being a weird, twisted, messed up joke? Right. So uh, yeah, it was kind of really confusing with that, but yeah, no, I agree, and so I. It, it was a weird title for it. <laughs> yeah. And the second thing I've got here was like, so this movie exists in a world where 1978's Halloween is a movie because it's shown on TV numerous times. Yeah, I saw that. So has it, I wonder, it was like, has it ever been done in a direct sequel? Because this movie is the third one in the series. There's, like, no way of trying to hide that. It's like, has there ever been a sequel where they have the ones before it, like, are just movies and it didn't happen in real life? Oh, I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah, that... that, I was thinking about that on the way through the movie. Uh, The last two I have are kind of interesting. Um, So we talked about the bright white light kind of just engulfing Cochran as he smiles and he just disappears, you know, kind of like he's being beamed up in Star Trek or something. <laughs> um, my question is, did he die? Yeah. I because think he, he was smiling when he vanished. It's like, did he pass on into a state of enlightenment or like into another dimension? I, I think he died. I was kind of thinking like, you know, everybody's got the, uh, the idea of, um, Stranger Things. Oh yeah, with the cop from Stranger Things. Yeah, it gets caught at and the all end. That. Yeah, that's what it made me think of. How <laughs> I was like, nobody ever really talks about that because, like, we just assume he dies. But like, did he actually die? That'd be one thing. Like, if they wanted to make a sequel now to yeah, the third one, he kind of looked like he uh, he like we mentioned, kind of got fried. So my interpretation was that he died. But, and he, I mean, he was just so messed up mentally. It's just like he was smiling for whatever reason, whatever. Yeah. So I guess just because his plan was going as planned, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and then the last thing I've got for, you know, kind of think something to think about uh, is one thing that I've always wondered with this movie. So when Ellie is revealed as an android, Mm-hmm. My question is, was she an android the whole time? 
or did Cochran change her into one? I'm pretty sure he changed her into one because I actually figured she was a robot. Mm -hmm. Um, Because when he rescued her, ever since the point that he rescued her and she attacked him, she did not say a single word. Yeah, that's true. So I I was, I, I realized that when they started driving away, I was just like, has she even spoken since he rescued her? And I was just like, this is weird. This seems like it's not her. And then, you know, a few moments later, she attacks him. So I do think that she was a really originally human. And then um, because she showed emotions and things like that, um, had personality and uh, whatnot. But then when she was a robot, she was very plain, simple, stoic, like you were saying before. And she didn't speak. Mm -hmm. So, uh, just a couple things to think about on that. It's like, so if we're to believe that she was a robot the whole time, um, why was it her directive to find a random doctor, seduce him, and then try to kill him? Yeah. Like if she was a robot the whole time, because then you start thinking about it, it's like Dr. Chalice had sex with a robot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. She was a robot the whole time and he didn't notice. Um, but, you know, if she was turned into a robot, how fast does Cochran work? No, I know, right? Because what? They were separated for a couple hours? Uh, they were separated overnight because um, she was abducted. He found out she was missing and the robot suit guys showed up to get him and chase him through town for a little while, but then they got him back to the warehouse and Cochran was saying, you know, you'll learn tomorrow or we'll wait until morning or whatever. And then morning came and that's when he revealed to him what was going on. So mm-hmm. there was, there was a relatively decent chunk of time. I mean, like probably can't be more than eight hours at most, but yeah. So, and that whole time. So apparently Cochran was just making this, robot that looks exactly like ellie yeah that yeah well uh, and then on top of that like one of the things uh, about the robots that kind of got to me was that they knew what to do without being told Mm -hmm. like um i'm trying to think of any other movie but the only other kind of thing that i can think of that where it's just like a robot knows what to do without being told is like terminator it's just like kill everything yeah you know so what what do you have to do? You don't really have to tell them anything. It's just like they're they're just gonna go around and kill everything. But it's just like if you have any other machine or robots, just like you have to give it commands. But when she tried to get to the car, they stepped in front of her. When um, they were chasing down the guy, they just went there to to kill him. Um, but there, uh, what were some of the other things? Yeah, like they were searching for. Uh, them at certain points and so they were going through the town and they were operating computers and machines and at but it uh i think the one specific part was when they used an elevator and so two of them got in the elevator with them keeping the doctor hostage they get out of the elevator they walk out they release him and then they go back in the elevator and it's just like how how do they know without being told what to do because uh when the doctor escaped when the robots came up to tell Cochran, but then just stood there waiting. 
instead mm-hmm. of being like, oh, my objective is to go make sure that this is done. Like, he needed specific instructions at that point. So, yeah. I, I don't know. One of those things where thinking a little bit too much about it, but at the same time, it's like you have these advanced robots that somehow just know exactly what they're supposed to do all the time. Right. So. Um, and I like to think that Connell Cochran kind of learned his lesson with the robots because five years later he was in the movie RoboCop nice. <laughs> where he was the owner of uh, the company that created RoboCop in the Ed 209. Nice. Um, and when the Ed 209, um, you know, went off and killed that guy, it was him. You know, he was a, obviously the owner of the company. He's like, I want this shut down. Um, we can't have this. It's like, there's no fixing this robot. This this needs to be taken care of. Um, we need to move on. And, you know, that's when they give the reins to the other guy who makes uh, RoboCop. Yeah. No, I did, I did notice I had that role. So, yeah, I thought that was pretty good. Yeah. Um, you know, and as far as the acting, I, the acting's actually not that bad in this movie, I feel like. No, not really. They, Where, they you know, Dan O'Hurley, the guy who played Connell Cochran, I thought he did a great job. Like, he was creepy and, you know, came off as, like, creepy and as sinister and, like, extremely intelligent. Yeah. Uh, Ellie could have. Ellie had a few parts where she was a little bit awkward, like she was supposed to sh- be showing emotion. I think I actually put it in my notes where, like, she kind of got over her dad's death kind of easily. Yeah, and there was no shock, like especially when she went in and looked at him dead. Right. Yeah, I noticed that too. Um, I feel like sometimes in the eighties, that as long as you were cute, then you got the role. You yeah. didn't necessarily have to be the best actress. Mm-hmm. Um, that happened a lot, especially in the horror genre, where you know she's a good-looking girl, so they that she got the job. Probably not the best actress. Um, and Tom Atkins, he man, he's I just I like him in everything I've seen him in. I feel like he does a great job of being kind of like the everyman, even though he's a doctor. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it's just funny that like all these women throw themselves at him because like he's just a normal looking dude. Like he's not like super handsome guy. It's like it's not like he's played by someone like Brad Pitt or something. Yeah, or Tom Selleck or Yeah, anything like that. Like he's manly men, you know, he's not like Burt Reynolds or something like that for the time, I guess. But yeah, I mean he's just like a normal looking dude. Um But yeah, basically, you know, he just I don't know. I just like him and everything that he's in. I feel like he's a pretty good actor. Yeah. And especially, you know, that the ending scene. Um, you, you could definitely like feel the panic and the emotion and stuff when he's, you know, screaming at the the broadcast company. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, he, he did a really good job for sure. Him and Cochran for sure did a fantastic job. Everybody else did pretty good. I mean, even like the side characters, I would probably definitely say the weakest link was Ellie, though. Um, yeah, I would agree, too. Even like the gas station attendant was pretty good. Yeah, gas station attendant was good. Oh, wait, which one are you talking about? The one in the town or the one from the beginning of the movie? Uh, actually, both of them. Um, I was I was talking about the the black guy from the the beginning of it, and he's at the beginning and the end. Yeah, no, yeah, he did pretty good. Uh, I thought the one uh, in the town 
uh, did a really fantastic job too. Uh, oh well, he was the ga- the gas station attendant slash the motel guy. Yeah, he was so. just like your, you know, friendly, almost like grandpa that owns his own, you know, little hotel in the middle of nowhere. Just, you know, loves what he does. Just loves talking to people, kind of thing. And he came yeah. off as just like a genuine person, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a couple but, things that were weird overall, though. Um, I know this is a little uh, staggered from when we were talking about things before. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, but talking about the town, did, what was up? Wasn't there a part that they talked about a curfew? Yeah, there was. Um, there's like a curfew at, I think it's, is it like nine o'clock? I thought they said 6 p.m. Oh, really? Was I could be like, wrong. Um, yeah, I thought so there's just... like a voice over a PA that tells everybody, you know, time for curfew, get inside. Um, and they show that scene. And um, you know, I guess this would work with part of my trivia, too. Uh, the voice that comes over the PA system, did you recognize that voice? No. The woman's voice? It's Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, really? Yeah, that was her uh, part of this movie. So technically, she's in the first three Halloween movies. Nice. Well played. Um, yeah, there's part in that, too, where they show, you know, J.B. Lee Curtis. She's, you just hear her voice coming out of a loudspeaker. And, like, all these people are going inside, closing up shop. And there's a part where a guy, like, reaches out and grabs his cat and brings it inside. I'm like, even cats have to abide by this curfew? <laughs> I don't. Uh, I don't remember the cat part. Actually, that's interesting. There's like a kitten outside the door, and I, you just see a hand reach out, grab the cat, and pull it inside. Yeah. Well, the <laughs> thing. Um, the thing with um, the curfew was just kind of like I, I was expecting something to happen, like you know, because uh, still at this point you don't know that they're robots, and so I was thinking, okay, maybe like maybe there are actual witches, or like you were saying, warlocks. And they come out or they're around town. Some there was no reason for it. There was yeah. no reason for a curfew. It wasn't like nothing happened, nothing, nothing. So I was really it's, confused. Yeah, pretty much how I took it is that you know, that's how Connell Cochran wants to run his town because he basically owns the town. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, there really isn't much explanation for that or really any much reason for it. Um, yeah. yeah, it's just kind of kind of interesting. Now, the other thing I wanted to point out that really honestly kind of bugged me is um, so the beginning of the movie is the guy getting chased and he's like in a, the town, a, a town area. He is, seemed kind of like a junkyard area, but then he got to that gas station where he like collapsed and the guy took him to the hospital. So in in our mind, we're thinking these are all close to somewhat close to each other. This junkyard, the gas station, and the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, the daughter, when the daughter and the doctor start working together to investigate this, they're just like, "Oh, the Silver Shamrock Company is actually not that far away." So yeah. I'm just like thinking, okay, you know, like on right outside of town or on the other side of town or something. So they get in the car. And one of the longer segments of the movie was them driving to this Santa Marie <laughs> town or whatever. 
yeah. and I'm just thinking to myself, like, this is how long it's taking you to drive there. They find that her dad's car is there. So what they're telling us, and also both him and the doctor, both wind up running from this town to whatever other town in Northern California this is. But they show yes. it as being like at least something like a 30-minute drive, probably longer. Well, it's, I think it's even longer because they stay at the, at the hotel after exactly. they get there. Yeah. So it's like you couldn't just went home or like decided to go to the town the next day. Yeah, that. So, and, but then they stated, oh, really, it's not that far away. So, like, how far are we talking about? <laughs> so, but then they also show that it's apparently the closest town to the city because both the doctor and her dad run back to the city. It's just like, dude, how long did it take to do that? Yeah, the only thing I can think of is maybe that that gas station is, you know, maybe like a mile or so down the road because he was driving in the car. Um, Dr. Chalice was when he was attacked by Ellie and then he went on foot. So the only thing I can think of is that gas station is like somewhere in between Mm -hmm. because that guy at the beginning of the movie takes Ellie's dad to the hospital. So, you know, maybe he drove him there or something i don't know yeah it just it's still really hard to figure out with the geography of everything yeah there could be an explanation but it just seems weird and a little bit awkward where they make things seem close and then they also make them far away so that that part was just kind of like (laughs) bugging me so yeah uh is there any other things you wanted to point out that were interesting uh Um, I thought that they did um, the uh, the filmography was and camera work was done pretty well. One of the mm-hmm. parts, and you actually didn't, um, it wasn't that big of a part anyway, um, was when the coroner forensics lady got killed. Yeah. Uh, which seemed totally random because it was like a week after the incident. And then mm-hmm. they're finally like, Oh yeah, we forgot to go kill this lady. So then they send one of the robots to go kill her. And it's just like, why didn't you kill her a week ago? Why is it so important that, you know, you kill her now? Oh, that's right. Because she just figured out something. Yeah. And how did they know that she figured that out? Exactly. They didn't. Other than maybe they had the phone calls, like they're monitoring the phone calls because it took place, you know, in Santa Maria. Yeah, but no, like she didn't knew it, uh, know anything. I mean, the only thing could have been was that she knew the doctor was there investigating stuff. So if the doctor dies, I guess they have to. She might look into it or something. Yeah, but yeah, that was that was odd. But uh, really cool uh, camera angle or good camera angle that they did was when she got killed. She got killed with a drill. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they didn't. They showed it, but they didn't show it. And the camera angle that they did was pretty good. I thought they did a pretty good job with the filming. So, yeah, it was kind of cool the way they cut away. Like they show her, like looking up. They show the drill coming down, and then they kind of like show the back of the robot and like her fighting on the floor. Mm-hmm. And you just hear like some crunching, and then she just stops fighting. Yeah, and to me that that's the kind of stuff that's more effective sometimes. Where, you know, that's the kind of stuff that'll get to you because you're you're making it up in your mind. You're piecing it together. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I like, you know, gore every once in a while, just, you know, just to see what they can do, um, you know, like in the Friday the 13th movies and some of the other Halloween movies. But it's things like that sometimes, too, that that are just, you know, good for a nice change because I feel like they're more effective. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can go in here to some trivia and facts that I've got. I've got a fair amount. Um, I mentioned earlier how Jamie Lee Curtis was the voice of the curfew lady. Um, she is also the voice of the phone operator that um, Dr. Chalice calls when he calls uh, Santa Mira. Okay, I thought they were the same. Yeah. Um, yeah, so just she was kind of just contacted by Tommy Lee Wallace, who was the director, um, because he was he was also part of the, the first two Halloween movies and, you know, small ways. Um, so this movie, like I mentioned, is it doesn't have Michael Myers in it. And it ends up being the only movie in the Halloween series that does not have Michael Myers. Uh, so when they decided they were going to make a third, John Carpenter said, you know, he wouldn't be able to direct it. He said, you could make a third movie, but I don't want Michael Myers to be part of it. That story's done. He's like, the first one, we saw what happened. The second one took up, took place directly after the first one. And, um, you know, it was wrapped up at the end. It's like, you know, Michael Myers is, is dead. Um, you know, when I thought about this movie as a franchise, I thought about it as like an anthology series where each movie has a different story. Mm-hmm. So that's when it came up with the idea of, you know, the mask and the Stonehenge and the witchcraft and all that kind of stuff. Um, and when the movie is released, there was big backlash by people that went and saw it because they were expecting another Michael Myers movie. Uh, so people were very upset with that. So when they came with part four, uh, they brought Michael Myers back. <laughs> Which, you know, if you watch part two, it's there's no chance that they could ever bring him back, but somehow they do in part four. <laughs> so at the end of, end of part two, um, I'll give it kind of the ending here to give you a little bit of backstory. So at the end, Dr. Loomis goes into a room in a hospital with Michael and Lori. Uh, Lori gets out of the room. Loomis like locks the door and he opens up all of like the, the oxygen tanks in the room and he lights a match and blows both him and Michael up. And Michael, you know, he staggers out of the room on fire and he collapses to the ground. And the last shot you see of the movie is just like, you know, the kind of Michael Myers mask with flame shooting out of it. You know, and the mask like burns up. So, you know, Michael is deader than he ever was in the entire series, but somehow they brought him back for the fourth one. And they brought Dr. Loomis back. Lovely. Yeah. Uh, next one I got here. So I talked about the scene where Dr. Chalice grabs a mask and throws it on the camera. Uh, it was actually Tommy Lee Wallace that did the throwing of the mask on the camera. Uh, prior to shooting, he grabbed the mask, threw it up there, and it landed on the camera on his first try. Because uh, it was written in the script that way. He threw it up there, landed on the first try, 
they didn't have the cameras rolling at the time. So once they started rolling the cameras, it took them 40 more attempts to get it. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and that just made me laugh because, you know, that's just about right. It's like one of those things, like, hey, I can do this. And then you t- try to show your friends and like all of a sudden you can't do it. Uh, just, you know, luck of the draw kind of thing. Uh, so the intro of the movie, the the credits and everything at the beginning has like this kind of, 1980s like super dated uh computer screen like computer generated uh effect at the beginning with a bunch of orange lines that zoom you zoom out and you see it's a pumpkin mm-hmm. uh it took the visual effects designer four weeks to create that background for the opening what four weeks that that's just the change in technology like wow. to animate that to show you know the pumpkin being made and everything with just the simple orange lines took four weeks jeez which is hilarious to think about because if you did that now it would take you what like 20 minutes uh well if you're just creating the still image yeah it'd take you like 20 minutes but if you're creating like it had that animation aspect to it it, it would maybe take a little bit but yeah yeah like maybe 10 hours if you're like animating the whole thing uh it just makes me laugh uh the last one i got here so director tommy lee wallace he was asked at a con- uh like a movie convention to give the connection between stonehenge ireland robots and laser beams that both melt flesh and produce slash conjure Bugs and snakes from the human body. <laughs> Somebody asked him that question, and Wallace just responded with, It's magic, man. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Which just cracks me up. Um, yes, yeah, so we can move on to grade here. Uh, I'll give a little interesting stuff here. So on IMDb, this is rated a 4.9 out of 10. Uh, and on Rotten Tomatoes, the critics gave it a 42%, while the audience gave it a 27%. Uh, so what's what's your thoughts on the movie as a whole, and what would you grade it? Um, I would, out of what we've watched and everything, I can't remember what I gave Friday the 13th. Um, but I would, I don't know, I kind of feel like these are on the same kind of on the same level a little bit. Cause like I said, up until the robot stuff, I thought it was doing really great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it just got crazy. Then things <laughs> weren't really connecting well. And so it, it kind of went downhill for me from there. And uh, I, I, the ending I get in every uh, kind of in everything, but in the moment when it ended, I was just like, that's it. Uh, so um but that that was like in the moment after that um i kind of you know i got the same idea you did where it's just like oh it's the unknown what happened blah blah blah. but yeah it just it spiraled too much out of control at that so i'd probably go i'd probably give it a three out of five okay yeah and for me oh man like the first time i watched this i was in high school and it was great when I turned 18 because 
at my high school, like our library, we had a pretty decent library for being such a small school. And they had this one area where they had movies you could rent. And I was really into horror movies. Um, you know, around the time I was really into, I know what you did last summer and I still know what you did last summer. And, you know, the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, I always loved those. And I remember going through and, you know, I, I already had the original Halloween. And I was like, oh, they don't have Halloween 2. I was like, but they have Halloween 3. And I didn't read the box or anything. And I rented it. And when I first watched it, I hated it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, this movie is terrible. Like, what the heck were they thinking? Like, where's Michael Myers? You know, I felt the same way as people, you know, they got blindsided going to the theater. And, you know, I probably didn't watch it again for, man. So that was probably like in 2004, 2005, 2005, I would think. Um, I probably didn't watch it again until 2008. And I wanted to see the second one still. And I bought a DVD that had the second and third one on it. And I was like, you know, what? I'll watch the third one again. And I watched it the second time. I'm like, yeah, this movie still isn't great. And it's, just, it's dumb that it doesn't have Michael Myers in it. <laughs> and it wasn't until probably like the third or fourth time that I watched it. And I'm thinking like, you know, if you take this out of the Halloween series, and if it would have been a movie just by itself, it would have got more recognition. Yeah. Would more people have gone seen it? Probably not. Because, you know, it had the Halloween name. So that was the reason why people showed up for it. But I feel like most of the criticism towards this movie is solely on the fact that it doesn't have Michael Myers in it. Yeah. And I feel it, like it's, you know, it's effective movie. It's interesting. It's definitely entertaining. And the acting is pretty good. And like the special effects and stuff really aren't all that bad. Um, you know, the story is, there's too much going on. It's a little convoluted in, in points. And I don't know, like it could use a little more attention to detail. But, you know, all in all, it's not a bad movie, and, you know, I really I really like it the more I watch it, but, you know, I can't really give it a five, so I'm, I'm going to give it a four out of five. Okay. Now, uh, something I wanted to mention, I don't know if you've thought about this, but um, one thing that probably didn't help people's reaction to this is, I don't even know really how you change uh, the Halloween series up after two movies with the same you know, concept that's not mm. a recipe for success. Um, but the thing that I thought was kind of interesting is that, you know, you have Michael Myers, you know, going around killing people and this one. So not only is this a different kind of plot, but it is completely different because you don't have a killer going around chasing mm -hmm. people. So even if pe um, people had hopes and anticipation for that, like they didn't get, uh, even if they didn't care if it was Michael Myers, they got they had nothing that was similar between the first one and the second one. Because it's just like if you had another one where it's just like a different story, a different town, some different kind of killer or something that mm -hmm. may have transitioned people a little bit better. But this was so different, so different. So, yeah, this is it's like it went from a slasher series with the first two to. like a black magic witchcraft movie yeah it's yeah it completely like t changed like horror subgenres which is just kind of funny um 
yeah, it's just, I don't know, it's an interesting movie, and I feel like, you know, as time goes on, it's starting to get, like, a little more attention just for, you know, trying to do something different because, you know, after this one, you know, they brought Michael Myers back, like I said, and they just kind of did the same crap over and over. Yeah. You know, the fourth one's the fourth one's not bad. That's another one I watched, you know, kind of at a younger age, so I have a little more of a connection to it. Um, I actually saw the fourth one before I saw this one, so that was another thing that kind of led to my confusion with, you know, Michael Myers not being in it. Yeah. Um, and actually, the first two, the first one is, I think it's one of the best horror movies ever made it's is it could even be up there as one of the best independent movies ever made hmm. um and you can watch the first one and second one back to back and it's like one long movie nice yeah i so remember you like, talking about that yeah it's one of the only movies i can think of where like you know at the end of the first one michael myers falls off the balcony dr loomis looks down and michael's laying there presumably dead in the lawn he goes back to check on Lori, she's okay, so he goes back out to see if Michael, what's going on with Michael, and he's gone. And that's how the movie ends. Uh, the second one starts off is they do like a little recap of that, and then Loomis goes downstairs to try to find Michael, and then it takes off from there. Like, there's no time in between. You know, Lori's getting taken to the hospital um, because of her injuries, and Dr. Loomis and the cops are trying to find Michael Myers. Yeah. And you know, have to have that that end, like I mentioned earlier, with the explosion in the hospital, and then have this one come out of nowhere with a Stonehenge mask and robots and everything. It just, yeah, <laughs> you know, people weren't ready for it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't imagine like, uh, you know, watching the first two, getting ready for this, going to the theater, and sitting throughout that whole thing, especially the beginning part of it, where you're still kind of like, okay, you know, when is michael myers showing up yeah you, know, you really at, don't know what's going on in the movie until you know they go to that town yeah because you, you could still expect michael myers to show up but then like they go to this town and are like okay <laughs> yeah so it's like at what point does everybody realize oh my gosh michael myers is never showing up <laughs> uh, which is just it's hilarious to me yeah. <sighs> All right, so we can move on to our last segment here, which is suggestions. Thank you! <laughs> Show time! You! Yeah, yeah! Yeah, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so suggestions. I'm gonna throw one out at you. Um, Brandon and I were actually talking about this. May have been today. I can't remember. Um, but I'm gonna take you guys back to 1995. And so this is actually gonna be a suggestion for Brandon to watch sometime. Uh, it is action drama thriller. I would probably put it more as a drama thriller suspense. Because there's really, I don't think there's actually any action in it. Uh, but the movie is called Crimson Tide. So if you like military movies, especially naval submarine movies, you'll probably really enjoy this one. This 
I'm going to have to go back and watch it, but uh, we're going to have to have a discussion sometime about some of the most talented actors ever because Hugh Jackman, uh, sorry, not Hugh Jackman. uh, Wait, no, did I get that? Gene Hackman. Sorry. I always get the the last name always messes me up. Gene Hackman is definitely in that discussion for me as one of the most talented, uh, diverse actors um, Mm -hmm. that I've seen. And he is in this movie. This is just... uh, not an overly loaded cast, but there uh, it's got a great cast between Denzel Washington, Gene Hackman, uh, Matt Craven, um, Vigo uh, Mortensen, James uh, uh, Gandolfini, if yeah. I say that correctly, yeah, um, uh, Rocky Carroll. Um, so you might not recognize all those names, but if you look them up, you'll recognize them from different kind of movies because they've done a lot of different things. But all of them are talented, and Gene everyone's performance was just so good, especially Gene Hackman. So I'm not saying, you know, that this is the greatest movie ever made, but just the acting in this, because especially with it being a drama thriller suspense, really, I mean, it makes it what it is, the acting. So Mm -hmm. I really, um, I highly recommend it. Uh, Brandon, I hope you get a chance to see it sometime just because I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on it. But I um I, I want to watch it again too sometime. I think my dad has a DVD, so I might have to borrow it from him sometime. But yeah, I uh, we were talking about military movies. I can't remember exactly why, but then I brought this one up and asked if you had seen it, and you said no. So there's the record. Yeah, it's definitely a movie I've heard of. I've just I've never had the chance to watch it. Um, and speaking of submarine movies, like I have seen uh, The Hunt for Red October. Mm-hmm. I just haven't seen Crimson Tide. Yeah, then then I start naming a bunch of different submarine movies. This being one of them, <laughs> there are. I mean, and not that it's that obscure of a genre, but you know, there's quite a list of submarine movies. So, Rock, yeah, I'll have to check that out. Um, so we can move into our uh, kind of competition we got here. And that is our one-liners. Uh, I went first, you know, last week, so I will let you go first this week. Okay, I saw. I still need to try to find a sound segment for that somehow. But um, all right, well, I I think I'm going to be jumping over into your uh, the actor you used last week. Did you were you Arnold last week? I think so. I'm Arnold most weeks. Okay. <laughs> He's yeah. got so many. Uh well this one I um I actually need to go back and watch uh because I'm really interested to uh to hear it again. Uh but I just have it written down. So this is fr- uh from The Last Action Hero, nineteen ninety-three. <sighs> Do you remember that one very well? Yeah, I've seen it a few quite a few times. Okay, I remember it, but I can't remember this scene very well. Um, but it's, <laughs> uh, the line's just too great to use. Um, and so Arnold Schwarzenegger as Jack Slater says, you want to be a farmer? Here's a couple of acres. <laughs> uh, then he puns the guy. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just gotta, I gotta watch that. Oh man. Yeah. It's been a while since I've seen last action hero. Uh, I had a roommate in college that really liked that movie, so we watched it quite a few times. 
Nice. Yeah, it's pretty good. I haven't seen it in a while, but yeah, it's kind of an interesting take on on the action movie. Uh, mine is going to be a little bit different. Uh, maybe not a lot of people will know this, but man, it's just a hilarious movie for quotes. And mine comes from the movie Troll Two. And it's not the quote that most people know from Troll 2, <laughs> but I would say it's probably the second most known. And it's this. Do you see this writing? Do you know what it means? Hospitality. And you can't piss on hospitality. I won't allow it. <laughs> uh, it's a scene where they, you know, they're these townspeople give the family like all this food. And the young boy finds out that, you know, if they eat the food, uh, you know, it's 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 going to be bad for the, the family. I won't give too much away because I know we're probably going to review this movie sometime because we both watched it and thought it was hilarious. Yeah. Uh, but basically the boy, he stands up in his chair and he pees all over the food to try to keep the people from eating it. <laughs> it is the dad that, <laughs> that stands up and yells at him with that. Uh, Oh uh, god, it, the delivery is so terrible, and just the line itself is just hilarious. Oh, yeah, and <laughs> then the me. concept too of why he said, just yeah, so great. Yeah. <laughs> I won't allow it. <laughs> oh, okay. So with with that, um, that's that's it for the episode. Uh, next week, we're gonna be doing something a little bit different. Uh, we originally planned something else, but we had the idea today of, you know, since we're both watching The Office, to take one of the most, I guess, light episodes of The Office, mm-hmm. you know, considered to be one of the best. And we're going to be reviewing the episode, The Dinner Party. That's um, from season four, episode 13, I believe. Sounds um, about right. <laughs> yeah, we'll be discussing that episode, talking about it. Um, you know, same as we do with the movies. And until then, um, thanks for listening. I am Brandon, and he's Caleb. And this time, it's personal. It's almost time, kids. The clock is ticking. Be in front of your TV sets for the horathon, and remember the big giveaway at nine. Don't miss it, and don't forget to wear your masks. The clock is ticking. It's almost time. Happy Happy Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. Happy Happy Halloween, Super Shamrock. Happy Happy Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. Happy Happy Halloween, Super Shamrock.